So good morning, Emily. It's lovely to meet you um, this morning. Um, and I should uh, say for the benefit of those listening to us that um, you've got quite a critical role at the moment. I think um, I think you're saving the planet, aren't you? Well, I think it's quite an exciting role, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but it's critical as well. But but what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring all the resources of Cambridge University together under the singular purpose of helping to support the transition to a zero carbon world. Fantastic. And of course, you're actually a fellow of Darwin College. Mm-hmm. You're actually director of Cambridge Zero. Mm-hmm. Um, is it like herding cats? Because Cambridge University famously, you know, they had there's lots of academic individualism, isn't there, and scientific individual, individual or am I just being unfair? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, but you know what, this is part of the reason why what we're trying to do is so exciting, because what we're doing is we're bringing academics from across all different subjects, from not just climate science, mm. but from engineering, um, lawyers, um, um, people who understand behavioural psychology, people who understand the historical context of all of this, all together to help try to um, find find solutions. Mm. And it's obviously there's been a big launch around this mm-hmm. because I think it's fair to say that certainly as somebody who lives in Cambridge, I find it very exciting to think it's happening in our city. Mm. Um, you've got a clear goal, but mm-hmm. how do you how do you bring together? all of these people from different disciplines with different approaches to learning and you know and science etc how do you bring that together to create the solutions that we're going to require because they're going to have to be pretty radical aren't they um, so we're doing a whole set of things so on, on one level we're looking at how we can bring together um, the research that's undertaken in the university develop new ideas new innovations so there's a million one different projects mm. I could tell you about but since we're sitting here looking across at uh, the uh, the Whittle laboratory uh, which is where there's a large amount of work looking at how we can decarbonize aviation oh. so so much of um the uh, 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 you know there's such aviation is such a, a significant contribution not as a whole but as a single flight there's a significant oh. contribution to any individual's carbon oh. footprint oh. Um, so we really need to find ways of decarbonizing that um, and so one of the th- projects that's being looked at is how to develop um, electric planes and another is how to develop synthetic or sustainable fuels that can be used in aviation so that's one area where we're really trying to accelerate the um, the innovation because we simply don't have the time for that to be developed over decades it needs to be developed over years. Which is quite a challenge. Um, and you talk about electric planes. Of course, we're looking at the moment at electric cars and, and mm-hmm. the, the issues around them and them being sufficient to you know, be able to complete journeys from city to city yes. which is a challenge in itself so I can imagine trying to get a plane but that's another example so if you think about the electric cars yeah. example that's that's another example where it really is a multidisciplinary approach that's okay. required so it's not just the technology of the electric cars itself yeah. it's also all the infrastructure all the policy yeah. all the regulation you know, yeah. so that's where you need to bring in um, not just the engineers but also the the lawyers or the people who understand behavioural change, etc. Um, and, and not just, um, one of the other key things that we're trying to do um, is not just do the research and, and develop the ideas and innovations within the university, but really critically engage externally with people in industry, in business, um, people in the policy world, both at a local level and at a national and international level, um, and and with the public more generally, um, so that we can ensure that the any any innovations really get rolled out rapidly in terms of real world deployment, because 
that's the only way we're going to be able to tackle the scale of the challenge or, or you know as rapidly as the science tells us is necessary and that's that's the crucial point isn't it because i think it's it's fair to say that the I think we all now know that we're facing potentially a kind of an apocalypse if we don't get a wiggle on here. We've got to start doing something, haven't we? And I don't think I'm over-exaggerating that. I doubt it's by 2030, but we're on a sort of a trajectory of travel that if we don't do something now, things could end badly. So I mentioned that because I think our young people, I've noticed this as a principal of a school, I've noticed over the last year, the levels of one... Um, understanding of young people which perhaps they didn't have before two interested people but three anxiety of young people is very much something that as educators we're very aware of Um, and of course we're we're at a high level of the work you're doing Emily Mm -hmm. but what could we be doing to empower them to make them believe that change can happen and that they can be part of that change and they can make that future a bright future for themselves so I mean, first of all, you're absolutely right. This decade, we're in the 2020s now. This decade is the decade in which we really need to make significant global action if we are to address the climate challenge. Um, There's no question about that. One of the things that I think um, has become... I'm a climate scientist by background, so I understand the scale of the challenge from the climate science perspective very, very oh. well. I've seen the scale of the changes in the polar regions in Antarctica and in the and the Arctic. But I have been really inspired and excited since I've moved back to Cambridge University and started to get involved in the solution side of things. That in itself feels oh. quite empowering. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it can become quite, as you say, eco-anxiety is a very real response to the scale of the crisis that which the climate and the world finds itself in um and and in a way the best response to that is to say right let's get involved in trying to solve this and then that actually becomes quite exciting as well and there are many different things that people can do i think for um many of the people who are coming through school now actually this is potentially a very exciting opportunity their future careers could be entirely around creating a more resilient healthier cleaner Mm. more exciting future for the world as a whole and so i think there are huge opportunities there and it can be really exciting and inspiring and different people will have different ways in which they want to progress then Mm. so some of that will be about um you know the sorts of things that i've just been talking about some of the people in who are who are in your school today will become the engineers of the future who are developing the new modes clean modes of transport Mm. of the future for example um but others might be the lawyers of the future that are helping to support uh, the policy and regulation frameworks that are required for this and some of them will be working at a community level um helping to um put in place more um sustainable um actions at a community level there are many 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 different ways in which people can get involved in helping to shape a better world and I think one of the things that I've said a number of times um, of what we're trying to do with Cambridge Zero is that we are trying to turn what is frankly a bit of a nightmare vision of a future 
into a mission to shape a world that we can be proud of leaving to future generations as our legacy. Because um, I, I couldn't agree more with you, actually, that I, I do believe these young people can do this, mm. not least because um, I was a student of history. And when you look back at history, mm-hmm. when you see what uh, mankind, womankind, what they have achieved over the centuries, it's quite extraordinary. Mm. Quite extraordinary. The creativity. Exactly. The drive, ingenuity. The ingenuity. It's, it's all there. And that was behind, dare I say, the Industrial Revolution, Absolutely. which you know, brought lots of positive things, but subsequently, obviously, has proved too much for the planet. So now we've got to stop, we've got to regroup, and we've got to look again. But it's getting that message out there because... Because politics is complicated, as we know, and global politics is very complicated, mm. um, I suppose we're looking to people like you, Emily, at Cambridge Zero to help provide a lead. But from what you're saying, you're one of many potential leaders in this to help other people understand what needs to be done because it's knowing what to do. It is knowing what to do, but in a way, I think having the right answer can, you know, striving to do the right answer can mm. also sometimes be quite yeah, um, stalling. Yeah. Uh, doing something, yeah, any getting little in, thing, any yeah. little thing, I think yeah. helps make, you know. So for for you know your students and, and young people, they're not, you know, they're not in a position to be able to, you know, make global change immediately although actually Greta Thunberg in a way has been the example where she's a single person has been able to make global change but but for many but but you know actually there are so many things that people can do at a local level um, within their own school or within their own street mm-hmm. or within their own community just small things that they can start to make happen and lots and lots of small things can add up to being some, to, pick, to being a movement as we've seen with the school strikes absolutely um, although obviously as a principal of a school I cannot authorise absences <laughs> for school strikes but, but we're listening but, but we're listening but what's been very clear over the last 18 months is that um, young people's voices yeah. have been heard on this subject absolutely absolutely um, and that i think has been we've seen how powerful that has been i couldn't agree more and i think now the onus is on the grown-ups to actually begin to respond to that you know what's the so what who is listening somebody has got to listen yeah but i think it's not but i guess my key point is it's not just the grown-ups i think it's everyone responding to that so that okay. is the children as well okay um no i'm not you know not to say that to put any onus on them but i think yeah. the, the key thing is that we're all part of this we're yeah. all part of shaping this and young people need to be absolutely as much part of shaping this as quote grown-ups yeah that's a very fair point actually and and I suspect that they'll be far more willing as, and able to adapt because they're young. Well, and, but but also they're going to have a sense of the solutions that will be appropriate to yeah. their future lives. Yeah. That's why it's so critical that they're involved in the solutions as well. And I have to say, I, I attended a, an assembly at um, Rosedale House recently where somebody, uh, Julia Gross actually, was talking about all the good things that are happening. And what I was really impressed with was the level of understanding of, you know, little seven-year-olds, eight, eight-year-olds about the importance of biodiversity and habitat and the sort of things that a few years ago, I don't think they would have had quite such a stark understanding of. Oh, uh, so Seven-year-olds. No, no, even younger. I've got a four and a six-year-old and they completely They're all over. Over it, are they? So all do over all it. their friends. And I was in, uh, you, know, I, you know, I do quite a lot of activities in at some of the local primary schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and absolutely, even the youngest children. And there's something, I think, about, um, it must be a very innately human thing that from very early age, everyone understands the importance of the natural world. Yeah. And, I, and everyone can understand the importance of treating uh, the world around us in a way that is going to help support all life on earth 
and I, that seems to, as I, as I say, my experience is even the youngest of children can understand that. You're right, and I think that educators need to uh, reflect on how education works for that as a, a sort of mm. as a process in itself, mm. because um, frankly, the way in which education is set up at the moment is. Uh, it is about passing examinations. Well, and, and so critically on that, if we just reflect on some of the things that I've been saying about what a, what a, what a key yeah. to help navigate through the coming decades, what do we just say? Creativity, ingenuity. Yeah. Yeah. It's inspiring mm. um, people to think about what the world in a, in a different way yeah. <clears throat> and to help shape those solutions in new and different ways. That's the critical skills. And that's what we need to be helping our young people develop and giving them the sense of being able to take leadership mm. we, we to get through, you know the, the world is in a somewhat of a crisis situation here time is running out we mm. need everyone to respond to that and we absolutely need to train up the next generation of leaders in order to take this challenge forward and and to and to create that better world and you know i'm delighted you're saying that because um at our school, that is what we endeavour to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we try really hard to ensure that education is an experience beyond just what you have to learn for the test. Education is what you need for life and for this life. Mm-hmm. That is still extraordinary for them. It's just got different challenges from the life you know I had when I was younger. Um, but it's been you know it's really wonderful listening to you, Emily, because you're inspiring inspiring me to hope that. It's, it's about everybody believing they can be part of the solution. That's the message I'm taking away from this. We're oh, all no, no, part of the absolutely. solution. It's a mindset, isn't it? And, and that it's exciting to do so. Yeah. It's not a burden. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. It's an exciting opportunity. You know, we, we, you know and, and, and I think that now is really the time to do it. Yeah. Because I feel, partly because of young people making their voices heard, mm. that, that there really is a sense that we do need to do something about this. Yep. So that stage of the challenge, at least in this country, and, and I think starting to be around the world as yeah, well, yeah. people are really feeling that we do need to do something. We do need to step up. And, there, and then you know, there is so much opportunity for creating exciting solutions, mm. um, for looking. I mean, what, and, uh, I mentioned the electric aircraft earlier, but another really exciting um, uh, aspect is looking to see how we can use nature itself mm. to help create some of these solutions. So how can we, um, uh, local to here, how can we look at different farming methods to help increase the amount of um, carbon in the soils, return the soils mm. to the amount of carbon that they used to store in mm. them? Um, how can we not just plant trees wherever, but but look to restoring habitats um, around the world in a way that helps both support biodiversity um, support the natural world, but also helps to take carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and return the atmosphere to um, uh, you know a, a more uh, in a, an oh. earlier state with oh. less of a climate impact. So there's another angle that is incredibly exciting to think through how we can really be be repairing our world, um, but in a way that both is um, help creates a healthier nature and healthier humans. And I think on that note, actually, that's like a manifesto, isn't it, really? <laughs> Vote Emily is what I say. But Emily Shukra, thank you so much. Um, you are an inspiration, you really are. And I thank you so much for giving up valuable time when you, you're out there trying to save the world.
So thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much. But I, but I think even more is the young people that need to be out there saving the world. And having seen the Greta Thunberg event at Bristol on Friday, I think, um, I think we're in good hands of our young people. I think there's over 30,000 there. Incredible. Not that I condone the missing school. But on that note, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Emily. No, thank you very much. Thank you. 